Lecture topic, Amal, the drive to our destination. Previously also we used to have these programs on Saturdays once in a while. And we read from the kitabs of our Kabir. Unlike the normal bayan that generally is given, reading directly from the writings of our Kabir has its own special benefit. Reading their words, though the same, the gist of the same thing is what is always given. What is generally discussed is nothing but from their teachings. It's only their teachings, their advices that is conveyed. But reading it in their words and then some explanation, whatever Allah Ta'ala inspires, that has its own specific benefit and special effect. The purpose of these gatherings is simply our Islah. My Islah, our Islah, that's our niyat. It is not primarily for the increase in knowledge. That happens also sometimes. An increase in knowledge happens from time to time. But it is not necessary that in every gathering there might be an increase in knowledge because whatever might be discussed might be nothing different to what was heard before. The person heard nothing new. So the knowledge itself will increase. But the objective is not just an increase in knowledge in any case. The object is that whatever is discussed, whatever is learned, whether it was heard many times before, it is meant to become a point of reflection that this I heard so many times, how much of it is in my life? Because that's the object, that's the end result that we are looking for, because that's the vehicle that's going to take us to our destination, Amal. So knowledge is necessary, it's fundamental, without knowledge a person cannot do anything correctly. If he doesn't have the knowledge of how to perform salah, for example, how is he going to fulfill this most important fundamental of deen? And if he has just some amount of knowledge, and he thinks he knows it, that too is very dangerous, because now he thinks he knows it, but he has some knowledge, he is missing out on still some aspects. And as a result he is doing it, but doing it certain important things are getting left out or getting uh, done improperly. As a result of which there is a major deficiency, sometimes there is even that salah becomes null and void. Just for an example, in salah there is something that is known in the books of fiqh, which is known as amal kathir this is an example to understand now, amal kathir Now a person who does such an action while in salah, which is not part of salah, but he does such an action which if somebody observes him, they might think this person is not in salah. Now just as an example, person now is in salah, he is standing in qiyam, and suddenly now he felt like sneezing, so he put his hand into his pocket or wherever, he took out his handkerchief, and he got both his hands and he's sneezing into it. Now somebody has to stand 
aside and just suddenly see him, they don't know this person had already started his salah. They're just observing from a distance suddenly. They'll think this person has just come, he's probably standing now and about to start his salah, but now he sneezed. Because now he's using both hands, he's coughing or sneezing in this manner. So anybody who sees him, this is what they will understand it to be. That action which somebody, the onlooker would think this person to be out of salah, such an action nullifies the salah. Meaning if it was to that extent, it now has nullified the salah. But now the person didn't have that ilm of that aspect. So he continued with the salah like nothing changed, everything is fine. But the salah is null and void. So now this is just one example that knowledge is not just of certain aspects that are necessary. All the necessary aspects we have to learn. How to perform the salah also we have to learn. And what nullifies the salah also we have to know. Though a person doesn't do what nullifies the salah deliberately, but he has to know about it so that if it does happen, he knows he broke his salah. Likewise, fasting, what, how the fast is supposed to be fulfilled, what nullifies the fast too, he must know. Otherwise, he'll do something which he wasn't aware of, that it nullifies the fast. Now, later on, he realized this also nullifies the fast. So, the point was again, that ilm is necessary, ilm is essential. Without ilm, he can't make any headway. But ilm alone is not going to take him where he needs to get to. He needs to get to Allah Ta'ala. He needs to get to Jannah. If ilm is there, but that amal is not accompanied by the ilm, then that very ilm will become a greater problem. Because in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says, وَالْقُرْآنُ حُجَّةٌ لَكْ أَوْ عَلَيْكَ The Qur'an Sharif will either be a testimony on somebody's behalf, or the same Qur'an Sharif that he learned and he recited might testify against him. Now what will be the testimony against somebody? That this person learned me, but didn't practice according to what he learned. So now it became an added problem. So it doesn't mean must learn the Qur'an Sharif. But what it means is to learn and to also practice. So the point again coming to where we started off is that the whole objective is making our lives in accordance to what we have learned and what we have understood, what we have repeatedly been advised, what we have read in the writings of our Kavir. So it's not just a matter of that these gatherings are for the purpose of increasing knowledge, what new we might listen to. It's a point of reflection that how much has this come into our amal. So, this is the niyat which we should have in any gathering of deen for that matter. That this must become a means of bringing this in my life. And I should become practical on it. I should become a person who, if it's something pertaining to the heart, I must start inculcating it by heart. If it's something pertaining to action, I must start inculcating it. If it's mu'amalat, and I must start getting my mu'amalat in order, my dealings with people. How much am I improving in that? If it's mu'asharat, my social life, I need to reflect on that. I need to sort that out. Whatever for that matter it might be. In previous times, people were very, very concerned about amal. And they would put their full attention on amal even on their children. Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz 
very great personality known as the fifth of the Khulafai Rashidin. What a rank. He wasn't a Sahabi, he was a Tabi'i. But subhanallah, what a rank he has been afforded that though there were some others in between, but he is deemed to be the fifth of the Khulafai Rashidin. Though the others also were very great personalities. So when he was still a very young boy, so his father had sent him now, Abdul Aziz bin Marwan had sent him to Madina Munawwara to now be there in the company of the Mushayikh and the Sulaha and the Ulama and Muhaddisheen and acquire ilm from them. But at the same time, he had appointed one person to now be specifically taking note of how he is fulfilling what his amal is. Salih bin Kaysan, Rahmatullahi, he was his teacher as well, and he had been specifically appointed, you must keep note of how this person, what is he doing, what he is not doing. So in any case, one, he should keep a very, very close check on him, and especially about his salah. Often this is taken as well, Alhamdulillah, we are performing our salah, but what due importance is given to him? How much of importance in the sense that, for example, if a person has to catch a flight, that is there in his mind all the time. He's looking at the clock, he's looking at the watch, he's checking, double checking. He's right there, but he's still got his eye on the board. Why? Because if this flight takes off and I'm not there in time, then I miss the flight. So now, there is a certain alertness, a consciousness and importance that is in his heart and mind about that flight. For that matter, anything else, some bus is going to catch also, gives it similar importance. Because if he doesn't get there on time, he missed the flight, he missed the bus, it's going to put him into a lot of difficulty. So there is a consciousness. He's alert about it. And he's concerned he must not miss it. Sometimes despite all his consciousness and his alertness and despite his effort, somebody gets muscle. Something happens which is beyond his control. Now he got stuck in traffic. He left in good time, in before time, and got stuck in some, something happened on the road. He got stuck and beyond him. It happens still sometimes. But he doesn't leave anything sort of just be lax about something, just be very casual, doesn't matter now, we get there in time, we get there in time, we don't get there in time, it's not a problem. So now there's something about that consciousness, how alert he is. For what? For one flight, for one bus that he has to catch. So now the question to ask ourselves is, is that much of consciousness in my heart and mind for Salah? That I have to be there in time. I must try to make sure that I am not delayed and checking on the time and repeatedly checking, setting the time to make sure I don't push it. So now that's, that's the point, that's the lesson that we have to take to heart. In the Quran Sharif, the incident of Musa is mentioned and when Allah Ta'ala had commanded him to come to the mount, Allah was to bless him with wahi. 
so he came hurriedly he left Musa Harun to oversee the people because he didn't want to get delayed so a long incident behind it and there's many details to it that's not the purpose right now but there's one part of the ayat of the Quran Sharif regarding this particular incident when Musa came and he spoke to Allah wa ta'ala on that occasion he mentioned وَعَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّي لِتَرْضَى فَعَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّي لِتَرْضَى says Ya Allah I came very hurriedly towards you meaning to this place that you have called me to come because this was where the conversation to take place with Allah Ta'ala Allah I came hurriedly the reason for coming hurriedly was that you would become pleased. That now he came quickly. Hurriedly doesn't mean that like for example now a person going for salah now he must run to salah. That has been specifically we have been refrained from that. A person should not run towards salah. He should be maintaining a dignified manner of going to salah. But hurriedly refers to that he is not delaying himself. He is not allowing anything to come in his way to Salah, he is hastening in the sense that in good time is there. So now Musa is saying, وَعَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّ لِتَرْضَى Ya Allah, I came quickly, so that my quick coming might become a means of gaining your pleasure. You will become pleased with me. Now that's the importance that's to be given to Salah as well. That everything else because you put aside now, it's time for answering the call of the Muslim and to get to the house of Allah Ta'ala and to be engaged in Salah. So now, that importance, is this the due importance that is being given? So in any case, this was just some point that came in between. We had been talking about this aspect of Amal, so now this personality, Umar bin Abdul Aziz, Rahmatullah Father had now put him in the care of this person, Saleh bin Kesan, and he should keep very close check, especially on his salah. Did he perform it? And he got all his records, whatever other related things, when he came. So now one day he asked him, You performed your salah with Jama'ah? He said, No, he was just Jama'ah. So what happened? So he says, No, he was busy, neat. The slave was busy neatening his hair. Inna lillahi wa inna rajun. Busy neatening your hair and you meaning neatening obviously one is now it will take half a minute to just neaten it so that it is not unkempt which is necessary it must not be unkempt it must not be looking in a way that is now unkempt but that neatening was probably obviously on another level that was something way beyond what can be just termed as neatening. That was fashioning it maybe. So now he says the slave was busy just sorting his hair out. But now how he was sorting it out that the whole time of the Jamaat went away. So he got very disappointed at this. Then he immediately wrote to his father. Now Omar bin Abdul Aziz is here. The father is in Misr in Egypt as the governor. At that time he was the governor. So he wrote to him, this, had, this is what happened. As 
discussing the, this on the point that mashallah ilm, ilm we have vastly greater amount of ilm that many others had in the past in terms of our context in our surroundings and so on you go back 25-30 years maybe a little bit more 40-50 years there wasn't so much of ilm of details 50 years ago in the whole of KZN probably there was maybe 15-20 ulama in the whole of KZN whole of KZN we are talking about maybe 15-20 probably a little bit more 50 years ago 25-30 at the very most now we might have that number of ulama sometimes in one masjid and programs of deen, etc. We've been even able, the Juma talk was probably the bulk of which somebody ever heard. The work of Dawat also started off in the late, in the early 60s. So prior to that, there was even lesser knowledge. Then, alhamdulillah, something started taking shape and direction. So prior to that, there was knowledge of just basics. Very little, in terms of the general public. General public, very little. Kitabs and so on, too, very little people would be probably reading up. But mashallah, those who had some consciousness of deen, that little knowledge that they had, they had amal with it. And they may not have been too many details about, for example, now somebody can give a complete explanation about aspects of akhlaq and the various terminologies. Akhlaq batina and so on. Nowadays, many a person, every person who knows many of these terminologies, they may not have had even the idea of those terminologies, but many, mashallah, had the amal of it. Many of us have heard so many times the details about haya nowadays in the various bayans, etc. So many ahadith, you probably may not know the actual hadith sharif, but the the gist of it, we'll be able to give it, most of us, several hadiths, this also has come in the hadiths, more or less, this, so many things will say it in that manner. Previously, people may not have been able to even express one or two hadiths as such, maybe the teaching of deen. But in terms of amal, we perhaps can't compare to the haya there. Likewise, adab all these various other things of akhlaq. The amal was far ahead already in many things. Perhaps some things they were far behind also, but in many things they were far ahead. And now, mashallah, the knowledge has gone to another level in terms of the average person, the general public also. People ask such questions sometimes, they have to be told that this question is not something for you to worry about, don't worry about this. Such intricate questions they ask you, we don't really relate to Amal, but in any case. And it's not something that's going to affect their life in any way also. Just very academic, extremely deep academic questions they ask you, why they're reading up so many things. But now the issue about Amal, that's another matter now. So, the knowledge, mashallah, is tremendous nowadays. But how much of this is directed and translated into Amal, that's another question. So, Coming back to the incident we were discussing, so Salih bin Kishan, he wrote to the father of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, that this is what has happened. The son missed his jama'ah on this one occasion. This one occasion he missed his jama'ah. 
and the reason was that he was busy having his hair combed up and fashioned out, so to say. So now, one salah, jamaat was must. Now we're talking about a royal family. This was the level even in this type of family, this type of society. Talking about people who are now currently governors and coming from royalty. But there was that amount of consciousness of the insul. There might have been other weaknesses also sometimes in some. So the father, when he read this, he was extremely disappointed. He immediately dispatched one person all the way from Egypt. On emissary, one messenger of his, and his instructions were, you go to Madina Munawara, and you go and meet my son, and before you even talk to him, you first cut all his hair off. Shave his hair completely first, and then you talk to him and tell him that you were sent by me for this purpose, and this is my reaction to him having missed his salah because his hair came in the way. His hair came in the way, so this was the now this was, what was it? Okay, we'll call it tarbiyat. But what is tarbiyat all about? So it's all about amal. Tarbiyat is all about translating ilm into amal. Knowledge into action. But now this was the extent of importance that was given to even people in royalty at that time. Then he became what he became. Umar bin Abdul Aziz Now, mashallah, we have many things that we read about, learn, speak. But now the question again to reflect upon how much of this has become part of my life. So this incident is very easy to speak about, very easy to listen. And it's something like detached from us, far away, happened centuries ago. But now let us think about how many things come between us and Salah. One is something that was okay, person was tra- trying to wrap up some work, shouldn't have happened. But now, you know, he got caught up in that, should now learn from that. That should never happen also. But what about those things that are futile, that came in the way of Salah? People sometimes themselves, right, now I get so engrossed that as a result I don't even realize the time is up and sometimes the time is good, meaning this Jamaat is also lost engrossed in what? then after I say so engrossed, engrossed in what? I was playing some game so I was playing some game and I got so engrossed in that game and I even didn't even realize it was time for Salah and then the Jamaat went away already to now I came to my senses that now my time for Salah has passed so now, this person's hair came in the way, so his father sent him to cut, sent somebody to cut all his hair out. So somebody's game came in the way now, so what's to be done? It's obvious. Somebody's, now phone came in the way, social media came in the way, so what's to be done? It's obvious. But now do we take that step? Do we have that realization that this is a very big impediment? And this is becoming a barrier in getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. 
One is somebody who is now just beginning to start taking some steps towards deen. So that person came after the Salah time. He walked into the masjid. Somebody saw him coming in. And they saw him performing his Salah, meaning after the Jamaat was over. Somebody might even walk up to him and even congratulate him. MashaAllah, Alhamdulillah, he came in. Why? Because he hasn't been seen in the masjid for years. And now somebody saw him. He is not going to be reprimanded that now, you know, you must your Jamaat, what your losses are. It is a big loss, very big loss. But now he hasn't yet, he's still taking baby steps. So, but the fact that he put his foot inside the masjid already for him is a very big thing. He'll be congratulated and encouraged. But now somebody who has now had the opportunity of being in the gatherings of deen, of having some consciousness of his Islam, and we make ourselves believe and we portray that now, mashallah, we are on the path of Islam. So then, we can't be on the same level as that person who came after years into the masjid. There has to be some progression now. And the most important thing is our salah. So all these small, small things that come in the way, that now we need to move ahead of that, move beyond that. This is what all these majalis are all about. How that we can reflect upon the various teachings, advices, it must become part of life. Merely just speaking and hearing and be done with it, that is not going to achieve anything much. That is necessary for taking the next step, in order to make these things part of our life. So in any case, this is what started off discussing with all the barakat of our kaabir. We're talking about why we read out of the kitabs, we haven't yet read anything. But it is the barakat that these things come to fall, that the whole purpose of this is how to bring all these aspects into life. <coughs> so just to at least read some aspects from here. This is the kitab of Azat Wala, Azat Masha Hakimahut Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah which is a compilation of various extracts from different places, different kitabs and different aspects of deen. So there's Hazrat writes here, Sayyidul Anbiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ka no second ka ajeeb jami' waaz. This is a very very comprehensive and amazing waaz, a bayan of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa which in total is a bayan and a waaz. Waaz means bayan, nasihat of nine seconds. This is a very unique way of trying to make people pay attention and make them understand. I recall that the first time that we had seen Hazrat was when he came to, we were still studying in Azad Hazrat come and it was after the Asar Salah. So he was, he sat on the member now to start off his talk. So it was the same Hadith Sharif and Hazrat started off in a way which now students and others there were totally unfamiliar with this, that somebody started by saying, after he said the khutbah, okay, look at your watch. Everybody didn't know where is this heading to. Found this very ajeeb. Look at your watch. Okay, time it now. The time what? So now I'm going to give a waz. 
and tell me how many seconds it took. Another said the same Hadith Sharif. I said, okay, how long it took? So somebody said, okay, so many seconds. He said, it's all bayan. But this is not the end of the bayan. Now we're going to continue with explaining this bayan. This was the bayan that Hazrat then related at that time. The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, جب تم نماز میں کھرے ہو اس نماز کو آخری نماز سمجھ کر خوب احسن طریقے سے ادا کرو when you perform your salah then regard it as the last salah that you ever will get the opportunity to perform this is the very last opportunity I am not going to see the next salah time before the next salah I am going to be gone from dunya to bring that deep down in the heart and then to engage in the salah Obviously, if a person was sure, 100%, he came to the masjid and he sees the hearse parked outside and he asked somebody that somebody passed away, some other person of the hearse, perhaps, this is an example now, he doesn't know him from any way, he said, no, we heard that somebody passed away, they're giving him his name. He might get offended maybe or shocked too, that I'm alive. But then if he passes the next person and somebody else tells him the same thing also. That, no, we just heard so and so. They don't know who they're talking to. They're talking to the person whose name they're taking. We heard so and so passed away. And then if the third person tells him the same thing, he'll think something is up here. Perhaps genuinely I'm going to pass away just now. Because already, already everybody's talking about I'm gone. There was one incident about one person who used to live in Springo Beach long time, long before I also came there. So they used to speak about him. He used to write the notices on the board, funeral notices, nikah notices, etc. So in the funeral notice one day, he went and wrote the name, so and so passed away, he put his own name there. And time to be announced. Some people took it like a joke and laughed about it too. Some said, Tatani, what's this person up to? Mocking or making a joke or something, so such a serious matter that that same day he passed away. So Allah knows best when the time is up. Now if somebody has to just, oh, something like this, now he came for Asar Salah, and now he met two, three people, and they're telling him, no, we heard so-and-so passed away, they're taking his name, he's going to perform that Salah very differently. Because he's not sure, maybe my time has come now, why people are making this mistake, can't be a mistake, everybody's saying something. That's just an example for us to understand, how sometimes these things overcome people. People see some dreams, I saw the dream two, three times, that. Oh, something happened and I got killed and I passed away. These things people dream about, it doesn't necessarily mean what a person dreamt about is exactly what is meant. But some people can't then sleep the next night. Say, why, what, why can't sleep? Say, but what is my... Say, if your death is going to come, whether you're awake or you're going to sleep, it's still going to come. But now you're not sleeping, so you can't even function the next day. Whenever it's meant to come, you prepare for death. Just merely worrying about it in a way that you're not doing anything constructive, how is it going to help? But what the point is that the Mishlaus will be saying, perform your salah in a way as if this has become known to you, 
that you are not going to get another opportunity. This is your last salah. So that salah that is performed in that manner will obviously be performed with a very different heart. That person is not going to be thinking about some scores in the salah. He's going to be worried about how he's going to score in the cover and what is going to be his result on the day of Qiyamah. That person is not going to be thinking about so many one million and one things. He's going to be worried about now how he's going to fare in the year after. So that is the first lesson that was given by Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this Hadith Sharif. That don't, that perform your Salah in such a way that this is the last Salah that you will ever perform. Then the second thing Nabi Islam said in this, that don't speak something which you will then regret tomorrow. Tomorrow meaning later, whenever. Whether it's tomorrow, it's after one week, it's after one month. But don't say something that which later now you are going to want to take your words back. Sometimes the person says, okay, I retracted it. So fine, we retracted it, very good, we apologize for it. But retracted it, does it mean that all the effect of that came back with it? Fine, by apologizing, somebody would now feel a little bit happier, feel a little bit more, okay, fine, the person apologized, let it be. But would the effect that it, the, the damage that it caused, would that also just come away one hit? Won't happen. It leaves some, some effect despite the apology. So the point there was to teach us that to think before we say things. Now, this is such a fundamental lesson. How often we say things that we regret. We hope we didn't say it. But then why say it in the first place? Because, okay, insan is insan, we can make a mistake. But we made the mistake once, we made it twice, we made it ten times, we made it fifty times now. Year in and year out, days are going and years are going, but we still making the same mistake. So then what are we learning then? So mistakes do happen, but that's become that mistake has become like the standard. That can't carry on. So that is the message. Don't say something which you will regret tomorrow. And the third aspect that Rasulullah said, that simply meaning become content with what you have. Don't worry about what others have. Don't be looking around what somebody else has. And don't try to also, because if a person doesn't have contentment, then he's going to be, number one, miserable. person who doesn't have contentment, that's a sure prescription for being miserable. Because anything and everything he sees around him, which somebody else has, and he doesn't seem to have that, he's going to feel a sense of being deprived. I'm deprived of this too, I'm deprived of that too, and everything he has, somebody else has something better. So even the good things that he has too, he's still feeling deprived. And the person who keeps feeling deprived, well, he's going to feel happy. He cannot feel happy. So he's seeing something or the other all the time. Somebody is wearing something which he doesn't have, he's feeling deprived. Somebody is driving something, he's not driving, he's feeling deprived. Somebody is eating something he can't eat, so he's feeling deprived. And then somebody has whatever other apparent ni'mad, external, internal, so now he's all the time in this, what has he achieved with it? By looking around and what he has, make shukar on that, he'll feel happy over what he doesn't have also. 
because of it is from Allah Ta'ala. See, if I don't have it, Allah Ta'ala's hikmat in it. Why I don't have it? If somebody else has it and I don't have it, in terms of the material things of dunya, that too is Allah Ta'ala's grace upon me. If I had it, I don't know what I would have done. How proud I would have become. How much of pride would have now puffed up in me. And how that pride would have dropped me. And become the source of my destruction. Allah Allah. So we ask for the good of dunya. We don't ask for just what anyone and everyone else has. Sometimes somebody has something. For the Mufti Mahmud Sahib, somebody wrote to him, that whenever I see something, somebody else has something that I don't seem to have, then I become very consumed by that. And I start, it becomes a overwhelming feeling in my heart. I also must have this. So the reply, there are many things in the reply, but one of the things in it was that everything will come along with what is in it. And you have no idea what is in it. Now what does this mean? Sometimes there is something that somebody has and it is full of barakat as well. So if that had to come, it will come with the barakat. And sometimes somebody has something, outwardly it might be very glamorous, very attractive, but what it has in it is the opposite of barakat. It has azab in it. And you desiring it and if it comes, it come along with the azab. So sometimes it might seem like this is something very desirable. It might be good for somebody else. But we don't know what is in it. What is the surface we are seeing. But there is something beyond the surface. Like barakat now, you can't see the barakat. Barakat is not something visible to the eye in the actual substance itself. So Jabir who invited Rasulullah said this little bit, okay, on the, during the battle of the trench, I have a little bit of food. Few people, four, five. Nabi Islam invited the whole army. And everybody ate and the food remained like as if nobody had touched it. But it still looked the same. It looked the same, but the barakat was something hidden in it. And people ate and ate and it still nothing seemed to change. But it still looked externally the same. Nobody could come and open it and look for the barakat. Where is the barakat in it? So the barakat came from the Obviously, Rasulullah Sallallahu Barakat and the Sahaba's Barakat. So likewise, the Barakat comes from the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. The Barakat comes from following the tariqah of Rasulullah Sallallahu in every matter. But then if something has been acquired in an unlawful way, something has been acquired with some deception, with cutting some corners, with oppressing somebody, harming somebody, then it's going to come along with some azab in it. It's going to come along with some fire in it. That fire doesn't, is not the physical fire that you can see, open it and see, now where's the heat? I can't feel anything. That fire burns in different ways. And that fire often burns the heart from within. It keeps a person in a turmoil. So it's not that anything we see, we must desire it. We ask Allah Ta'ala, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. And contentment. Contentment that is the greatest wealth. Nabi Islam says the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. Contentment. Person who is content, he is happy. 
And whatever luxuries and comforts people hanker after is for happiness, for nothing else. This will make me happy. So if a person already got what others are trying to get out of something, he's got the essence of it. So this is what the message Nabi Islam was giving. Now in this one short while, this nine second while, Subhanallah, what has been encompassed? That all the things that we of need for us, one is our salah, which if that comes in order, our whole deen is in order. And if our tongue is in order, then we are safe from innumerable problems. And if the contentment is in our heart, our heart is in order, then what's left to desire? So everything is in this short little advice, which in its words is barely one and a half lines, but has more than an ocean filled in it. This is the mojiza of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that in very few words, oceans of knowledge. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq, Allah ta'ala enable us to imbibe these lessons, even if you take one lesson and go, that too is a very great thing. Allah ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. Inshallah after the Maghrib Salah will have some recitation of Durud and Salam, some zikr and dua inshallah.